The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you. Great to have you here this Saturday morning. And as always, for the next 30 minutes, an open, frank, honest conversation about gambling and, more specifically, gambling addiction. Joining me, as always, from Epic Risk Management, formerly of the New Jersey Council on Compulsive Gambling, which is 800-GAMBLER, is Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Craig. Good morning. How are you today? Doing fine. Thanks so much, as always, for joining us and bringing your expertise to this. I'm thrilled to have, uh, from New Jersey, Greg here. Greg, uh, like myself and Dan, is a compulsive gambler, willing to share his story. Greg, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Craig. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Good. So how long has it been since you last wagered? Let me start with that. So I entered recovery back in February of 2020. So almost going on about two years now. Great. Uh, and I assume uh, you're feeling pretty good and life is better than it was and you're in a good place. Yeah? A hundred percent. Yeah. Life is uh, significantly better. So you're in a, you're an interesting story for a few reasons. One, um, you had a very public win as a Texas Hold'em player and won about half a million dollars uh, in the 2018 World Poker Tournament. So let, let's walk through that part of the story first. Uh, were you a was poker your game, or did you just you know kind of find yourself in the tournament one year? Yeah. So Craig, uh, I, I pretty much started playing poker back uh, when I was 13 years old. So, okay. Um, when Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker, uh, this is kind of a common story when you talk to a lot of poker yes. players. Um, yep. You know, the poker boom happens and. I bought every book that I could. Um, I took it seriously. I was, uh, I have a very, very competitive background uh, through, with sports, played sports my whole life. So uh, poker was something I just took to. Um, when I was 18, I won an online poker tournament uh, for a, about $50,000. Wow, so okay. This was something uh, <laughs> they, they like to people talk about, you know, having that big first win um, is something – uh, in a gambling addiction that it might not be the best thing for you. Yeah, but um, so what's interesting about you, and I, I think I'm very similar, it wasn't just that you had the win. Playing cards fed your need for competition. That's, that's 100% right, Craig, yeah. Um, and I was always really, really competitive in sports. I hated to lose. Um, and poker was something where I figured out that it wasn't just a luck-based game. It was something that I could study and actually get good at and, mm -hmm. you know, probably be able to find some success at. Yeah, I would say that, you know, I was more of a blackjack player because of the speed and poker kind of bored me and my brain just works faster, uh, which is why blackjack was my game. But a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, listen, there's luck to gambling, no doubt about it. But card games specifically, there is a skill to it. It's a skill of understanding, you know, the other cards that you see on the table and how that affects the odds of what you have. Versus what other guys could have. There's a value of the pot versus how you bet. And there's a tremendous amount of learned skill in that, which is why you could sit down at a poker table with five schlubs who play Friday nights at home in their basement, and those guys have no chance against you long-term. Yeah, that's correct. And that's been kind of the hardest thing for me to come to terms with, with uh, you know how good I was at this game and still not having anything to show for it and not being able to control it at all. So before you have the, the $50,000 online win or obviously the huge win in the World Poker Tournament where you came in second place, 
Um, how how much of your life was spent, you know, in those uh, you know full tilt uh, online poker rooms or playing games or going to casinos and that kind of thing? Yeah, so um, I guess uh, online poker was a little bit of a gray area back when I started. Uh, when I was 18 years old, it wasn't really legalized in uh, New Jersey yet. Um, right. Matter of fact, though, New Jersey was one of the first states to legalize it, and that happened um, in my 20s. So I spent every single day um, that I, you know, had off from work, I-, I spent just playing online poker pretty much all day. Got it. Let me bring Dan in for a second. Dan, it's not just so much having a, uh, an early, you know, big win that uh, Greg mentioned that caught my eye. It's the it's the competition and it's the ego that goes along with wanting to be better than other guys around you. Uh, how familiar is that for you as someone who helps people every day? Yeah, that's great. And, and Greg, thanks for sharing that. It's spot on because when we see people have that appetite for competition, that, that risk-taking, that drive to win, to succeed, to be better than the next person, and poker fills that void. You know, Greg mentioned it really well that it is a skill-based form of gambling. Yes, it's still gambling, but if you study enough over a long term, uh, pot size relative to hand, how you play your chips. You know, poker, Craig, we've talked about this too. A good poker player will fold more hands than they enter, obviously. I think we had estimated somewhere around 70%. So it's about being patient. But what, what Greg kind of alluded to, though, is over time, he's got nothing to show for this right now after having such success. And that filled a void, it sounded like, Greg. When you, Greg, I have a question. When you, got out of, when you started playing poker, did you get out of sport because of an injury or did it take the place of sport? You said you were playing sport at a high level, so I was really curious about that. Yeah, so, Dan, I, I played um, baseball and basketball uh, throughout high school all four years. Um, I wasn't really good enough to play at, uh, you know, Division One college level, so I just decided to, you know, I, I wanted to go to a big school, so I, I went to the state school in New Jersey and uh, decided to kind of put sports on a little bit of the back burner because I knew I had poker, so it did fill – that competitive void uh, that was missing um, from sports. So walk me through when you look back on your life with the clarity you have now, when do you think the gambling became a problem for you and how you were living your life? Yeah. So it was just a slow, a slow process. I think I, I don't think I was, you know, fully addicted uh, from the start. Um, I just kept having these wins in poker that kind of fueled my addiction. When I look back, um, so when I was 21, on my 21st birthday, I, I went down to Atlantic City, entered a poker tournament, came in first place on my birthday. So I'm officially the youngest winner uh, <laughs> at the board. <laughs> and um, so wow. these things just kept happening over time. Every, every couple of years, I would enter a poker tournament, do really well. Um, and just having that extra money to gamble with and, you know, a little bit of, I guess, minor celebrity where people knew who I was in the poker, in the poker scene. And um, I, I would say, you know, in my mid-20s, I was fully addicted where I was playing pretty much daily. And I was on the side betting sports, daily fantasy sports, playing online blackjack, you know, pretty much anything you can think of. Yeah, I'm glad you said that So because ultimately you got to a place where the poker wasn't enough, right? You, uh, you found other outlets to, to wage your money on, you know, to prove that as good as I am at poker – I can also pick, you know, Jet and Giant games or whatever the case may be, being a, you know, an East Coast guy that, you know, it wasn't just poker. Now it was, I'm gambling on almost anything and everything whenever I have a split second, right? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it turned to. And, um, 
you know, th- that perceived success in poker kind of defined who I was and defined my image. So I thought if I was this good and successful at poker, um, you know, that I could succeed in other forms of gambling. Like, why not? Did you ever consider, and I only say this because I did, I remember going to my wife once, and here I am, you know, the most listened to morning guy in the country, everything's great, making tons of money, and I went to my wife once, uh, and she, you know, if she, if she could have, she would have slapped me for sure, and I go, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to retire uh, from the radio, and she said, why would you ever do that? This is like the pinnacle of your dreams, and I said, well, I think I'm going to become a professional blackjack player, because I'm just that good at it, you know, totally ego, uh-huh. egocentric. So I wonder, was there a time when you considered, hey, I'm so good at this. I, anytime I need money, I'll just go in a tournament at Borgata or something. Uh, were you considered making that your life's pursuit? You know, it's really funny you ask that because I think I've had that thought um, probably about 15 times. Got it. <laughs> um, especially in my early 20s when I was, you know, there was multiple tournaments where I won, you know, six figures uh, playing poker. And after these times, you know, I was flush with money and I was doing doing really well. But. I never could hold on to it. So that, that was the, the main problem, and I couldn't stop. I, I never could stop playing uh, if I was winning or if I was losing. Um, so though I did have those moments where, yeah, I thought I should, I should be able to do this for a living, but you know, then I would come back to reality where, damn, like I'm kind of losing this money at a, a rapid pace. Yeah, I was going to ask, so what happened? Before we get to the big win back in 2018, were you – you, at some point, I imagine you're losing more than you're winning. Um, what was the financial burden that you were putting yourself under, and how bad did it get? Yeah, it's um, so before I had this big win, um, like I said, I, there was, uh, I guess, through like five to seven years uh, in my early 20s, I would win a tournament, and then all of that money would be gone within a year or two. Um, I never really went into too much debt, but leading up to that tournament that I came in second place in, in uh, 2018, I barely had any money to my name, but you know, with my ego and where I thought I was at, I was still able to enter this tournament for $3,500, which, you know, I barely even could afford to put the, the money up to enter it. Which is fascinating. Cause that's how the brain works. Wow. Like you don't have enough money, maybe to pay the rent or mortgage beyond a month or two, but you yeah. had no problem convincing yourself that the $3,500 investment to get into the tournament was, was money well spent, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And again, I proved I proved to myself over the years that you know I could be successful at this tournament form of poker. You know, right. so why not enter it? Talking to uh, Greg, go ahead, uh, Dan. You want to say something? Yeah. yeah, I have a question, Greg. You mentioned before about the internet gambling. I'm just curious because we know as a poker player, you're well familiar with Black Friday in 2011, when you know it was illegal to do, and and the poker stars, full tilt poker. U.S. shut all those sites down, and a number of people were left with just money frozen in their accounts for a long time. Did that ever impact you in terms of any of the financial problems that you had? Yeah, so I was 21 when Black Friday hit, and it was, like, really, really devastating for me because I, I was just kind of getting started with my with my poker. Um, I didn't have too much money locked up on any of these sites. I kind of withdrew most of it beforehand, which I was lucky to have done. Um, but this was actually probably a blessing for me when Black Friday hit because for at least a few years, I wasn't able to play online. And, you know, I had already developed this, like, strong urge where I needed needed it, and I really needed to play every day. So 
it was kind of a blessing in disguise, I think, for me when uh, Black Friday hit. Talking to Greg yeah, from thought, uh, yeah. New Jersey, Dan Chalaro, Epic Risk Manager. We'll take a quick break. We'll find out what the uh, the low point of Greg's life was gambling and uh, kind of that come to Jesus moment and how he fixed it and uh, got himself healthy right after this on The Fan. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. All right, welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig, talking to Greg uh, from Jersey and, of course, Dan Trelaro. So, Greg, let me fast forward a bit just for time's sake. You go into the 2018 World Poker Tournament. You have the greatest run of your life. You come in second place. You win just under half a million bucks, but here we are, you know, almost four years later, and you've not gambled now in almost two years, so something went terribly south after that win. What was it? Yeah, um, so I thought this was the turning point of my life. Like, why wouldn't I? I won half a million dollars. I should kind of be set for life, and this was pretty much when I started playing poker, this was my dream, and it had pretty much come true. Um, A little bit before uh, this this tournament win, I had found out that my mother uh, had developed pancreatic cancer. Um, it was kind of the, the, di- the diagnosis wasn't, wasn't positive at all. And we were kind of in limbo with, you know, knowing what was, what was going to happen. Um, so on May 17th, I got a call. Um, <laughs> no, obviously where I was, I was uh, in Pennsylvania playing a poker tournament. Mm. And I found out my, that my mom had called a hospice nurse to come and take care of her. Um, at this point, I wasn't really facing reality. I was kind of, you know, using poker and gambling as an escape to, you know, not deal with this uh, part of, of my life. And it was just so hard to even come to terms with. And um, on May 26, 2018, my mom passed away. And two days later, I had gambled every single dollar that I had earned from this poker tournament. And this was, you know, a, a year later. Uh, a year after the, the tournament had happened. Um, hmm. I, I just couldn't face reality at all. And I sat across from my dad with him not knowing. And, you know, I was just asking people in these poker games to just do coin flips with me for the rest of the money. It was just that much despair. And I just didn't want anything to do with it anymore. Um, so I had lost everything I had. Plus I had developed some debt. Um, so this was what I thought was the lowest point of uh, my gambling addiction. Did it get worse than that, or that was that actually turned out to be uh, the low low spot? So I would say that was the lowest point. But um, <laughs> the funny thing is, as as bad as that part of my life was, I made I made promises to my family, to my then girlfriend, who actually stuck with me through all this. Um, my my uh, you know my family paid off some of my debt, which you know it's, it's well. Let amazing. me stop you there. So at at some point, you've now you you gave the half million back. However, you lost it. You lost it. You you lost your mom. And then at some point, people reached out to you and said, Greg, what's going on? Or you just had uh, that epiphany of, I got to sit my dad and family members, girlfriend down and and come clean or else I'm going to go down a really bad road. How did that manifest itself? Yeah, this was actually probably a few days after my mom passed where I, I had developed some debt. I was just completely lost. And I had to call my girlfriend, call my grandparents, let them know the situation. At this point, I couldn't tell my dad because of what he had been through. Um, right. And uh, so I made promises to them. That my, my grandparents helped me with some money. My girlfriend stayed with me. Um, I promised not to play online poker or gamble online ever again. Um, 
but I didn't seek help. I didn't know about uh, I, I didn't know about uh, gambling as a form of addiction. I just had no idea. Sure. Um, and you know, so fast forward to uh, January of 2020, which was you know my last gambling, um, and I had to come clean to my girlfriend because it all happened again. I had a bunch of personal loans out. Um, I was now gambling in secret behind her back. And behind the back of my family, who you know, I made promises to. And were you doing that just out of curiosity? As you look back, when you process that, was the mental process? I'm just going to do it to get the money I owe them or whatever debt I have, and then I I, I promise I'm going to be done. Is that what you said to yourself? <laughs> yeah, 100. percent And yeah. uh, it's crazy looking back at it now, um, because this is a funny part of the story. Like uh, in January of 2020, I made enough money uh, in poker that month to cover all of my debts, to pay back people and to have mm. some money on the side because I was planning on getting engaged. Yep. Uh, I had made enough money in that month to pay it all back. And a week later, you know, this is how the story goes. I, I, I had blown it all. I did yeah. the same thing. I did the yeah. same thing. I was down to Hollywood, hard rock in Florida. I went down for two days uh, with some buddies. Uh, and the first day I was up $1.5 million. The next 24 hours I lost that plus the money I got from a loan shark uh, to go gamble with. And walked out with nothing. I had all the money I needed, no debt, debt-free as a human being, all good, and uh, uh, couldn't walk out of the place up a million five. So, I mean, I get that completely, completely. Yeah. So, when you then came back to your girlfriend and family and said, oops, you know, I did it again, um, what was that conversation like? Yeah, so the one text that I would say that kind of gave me a a wake up even after all of this was my dad. I told my dad about the situation. And he texted me, "You need to get some help." And this was the first time I was I ever heard that about getting help for this. Um, so I had to reach out through work. I reached out through my union. I got into a gam a gambler's anonymous, anonymous meeting that night. Um, and then I had to start repairing relationships, uh, with everybody and just, you know, working on myself and just learning about the addiction and starting, uh, starting recovery pretty much. And it sounds like here we are almost two years later. It sounds to me like you're, uh, not only in a really good place, but you're able to be very honest about who you are, which I always say is the tough, for me at least was the uh, toughest first step was just uh total 100% honesty. Yeah, and that's been a huge problem, and it's it's not easy for me at all. It was all the lying over the years and all the hiding of the gambling. So it's like, you know, I, I had to turn into a completely new person and just, you know, really be vulnerable and able to, to speak about this. And, you know, it hasn't been easy at all, but uh, I found a great, you know, support group. Um, I have a mentor now who you actually had on, Jeff, um, who I talk to every week. Uh, I haven't a week with him in two years pretty much. And um, I'm a member of this uh, support group. We do online meetings. There's one every single day. So, you know, there's no no excuses for me anymore. Like, I got to make these meetings and, and talk to people about, you know, about recovery and be able to relate to people. Hey, Dan, out of curiosity, why is that honesty the hardest part for a lot of us? Is it ego? Is it shame? What is it? Yeah, it's it's a lot of ego. It's a lot of guilt and shame. It's coming to terms that all the time that we've spent doing this thing is really just coming to a crashing halt. Like, I can no longer do this thing that I've used for action, for escape, as a coping mechanism. It was my, my best friend and my worst enemy all wrapped into one. And so it's kind of this realization that I've lost a lot of my, my time that I can't get back when I finally 
you know, am open and honest and talk about this thing. And there's also this fear of stigma. And we've talked about this. You know, I didn't know, you know we heard Greg say he didn't know that there was help available, that, that gambling addiction is, is something that people deal with. Like, wow, what a concept. And, and he's showing, just like we see every week, people open up and say, you know, I've dealt with this and they're not alone. That's the purpose of the work that we do, Craig, and having, you know, Greg on and others. You're not alone. You can be open and honest. And leaving that life behind opens up so many more doors. I, I wonder, Greg, before we let you go, uh, two things. One, you know, poker's not what it was 10 years ago on TV. And you're right. The Chris Moneymaker win set poker off into a new stratosphere. And that's calmed down. It's not nearly talked about as much. But can you watch poker on TV? Is that a trigger for you? Is that something that you avoid completely and... Do you feel yourself like your heart rate, you know, you know, jumping up if you uh, have guys that you work with who have a Friday night card game or anything like that? Yeah, it's funny you ask, Craig, because this is something that I've been working on uh, with my recovery stuff because um, I, I don't have triggers when it comes to sports betting, daily fantasy sports, even though that was stuff I did pretty much every day. Um, but I still catch myself, you know, reading poker updates or if I see something poker related, um, I, I play along in my head. Like I, I'm, right. I'm playing the game to myself. Um, and this is something that I've, I've figured out that I, I really need to avoid. So it's definitely a trigger for me. And it's something, you know, that I'm constantly working on to avoid. I did that too. Uh, and again, my game was blackjack, but I'm a card player. And uh, early on, I, I was thinking the first year, maybe year and a half of my recovery. And I'm, you know, uh, blessed to be three and a half years in now. Um, yeah. It would, I would see other people playing cards, and it would piss me, it would piss me off when they didn't do the right thing. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there going, "Hey, dummy, you don't do that." You know that kind of thing. Um, but I, you know, and that that was a good year plus for me, where I somehow kept it in the kind of background of my life, even though I wasn't doing it. Uh, I did still see it and want to comment on it. Uh, for those people, Greg, that are at day one of their recovery journey. I always like to end the show with a, a, a word for them because we've all been there and it is daunting and it feels like the walls are caving in and it's a very tough spot to be in before you take that first step. And I always think it's important on this show, no matter how many years you have into your recovery, to let those people who are at day one know that you can get through it, you can get help, you can find a life without gambling and that that life can be very rewarding. And if you don't mind just speaking to that, I think that'd be great. Yeah, uh, you're 100% right again with that, Craig. Um, so I'm, I'm actually a firefighter. So I've been a fireman for, for eight years. Um, and I think the whole stigma behind gambling and, and mental health in general, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's hard to talk about this, uh, about gambling and, and admit, you know, or even know that you have a problem in the first place. Um, but there is hope. I'm so much more present in my daily life in work. Um, just, just pretty much in all areas of life. Uh, I, when people would have a conversation with me in the past, I, I wasn't really listening. You know, I was so focused on the next bet finding, you know, yep. the next poker tournament. Um, my life is so much better without gambling and it really is a day at a time for me. Um, you know, I, I, I got married this year. Uh, I bought a house. Um, there's so my life is so much better, but it is also stressful. So 
uh, dealing with real life situations and circumstances without hiding behind the gambling isn't something that comes naturally to, to me at all. Um, but I, I just need to say, yeah, it, it's my life is so so much better, and it really is one day at a time for me. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I think the more we uh, humanize these stories, let people know that it's, you know, the Little League coach, the firefighter, the school teacher, the garbage man, the radio host, you know, whatever it is, I think will help uh, long-term a lot in getting rid of the stigma that's associated with it. And I think ultimately our goal, I think, Dan, I speak for you in this, is the more we tell these stories – the easier it is for other people to tell their story and ultimately get help. And that's the purpose of this, right, Dan? That's right. It's knocking down those barriers, you know, that barrier, that stigma, that, that fear that, you know, listen, I'm a flawed human being and, and, and I'm not worthy, right? I mean, essentially, that's what we're saying is that we're all worthy. We're worthy of living a life with purpose and meaning. And, you know, one day at a time and one week at a time, we're hearing time and time again these stories that just resonate. I mean, there's so many similarities, and it just really, for people listening at home, if you're wondering, if you're not sure, you, you pick up the phone and you call. Talk to a neighbor, talk to a friend, call a helpline, call 800-GAMBLER, call one, a local one in your state. Just start having a conversation because that's what really starts the process. Well, I appreciate both of you guys coming on. Greg, good luck to you, uh, and thank you for what you do uh, in regards to being a firefighter. And uh, stay in touch. If I can ever return the favor, by all means, uh, reach out. And I hope you stay well, and uh, congrats on getting married. Thank you so much, Craig, and thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Thanks. Dan, You're as welcome. always, appreciate your time. Dan Trelaro, Epic Risk Management. Big symposium coming up at the end of the month. We'll talk more about that next week. Joe Gillio is next. Evan and I are back Monday at 2 o'clock, and uh, we'll see you next Saturday right here at 930 on The Fan. For Hello, my name is Craig. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.